This episode is as easy as Sunday morning. That's what time it was in Seattle when I spoke to my cousin Jackie Makuchi. Jackie's originally from Long Island, New York. She's one of my many relatives that I know, but I don't know that well. But even though I've only been in the same room with her a few times, I've always felt an affinity to her, probably because of her snarky comments on Facebook. But the snark is a little bit misleading, because as you'll hear, she's practically a Pollyanna. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you make sure that... Uh, oh, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real now. Yeah, it's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet... Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? Hello? Hello. Is this Jackie? It is Jackie. Hi, cousin. How you doing? Fine, Just thanks. Give me one okay. Give me one second. I have to put Boomer's bowl away because he has a special diet and Gracie likes to eat it. One second. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, we're good. And she was already getting ready to pounce on it, so now okay. we're fine. Okay, so now they're separated? Yeah, well, they're uh, not really separated. They, um, they each have their own food and they eat at their own pace and it's not the pace that's usually... At, you know, conducive to me getting things done. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, you have three kids, so I, I shouldn't complain. Well, yeah. I mean, two cats, three kids, what's the difference? <laughs> well, they're, they're getting old enough, right, that it, uh, that they soon can, can theoretically take care of the pets? Yeah, it's theoretically. It's theoretically coming into a possibility where it, where it had <laughs> yeah. not been for a long time. <laughs> But uh, we're starting, you know, they've started to ask and, and we start to use that every time that they like don't do something obvious that they should do. We're like, how could you take care of a pet if you can't even take care of yourself? <laughs> so we're, tr- we're trying to get some mileage out of that. Yeah, that, that you definitely can get a lot of mileage, at least uh, from uh, my friend's uh, standpoint. I can I can that'll that'll work for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> everything only works for a little bit and then you've got to try something else. It's true, and and then there's the iPad crack that that uh, so many of my friends use. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of that so far? The iPad crack. How? What do you? What kind of ages are your friends' kids? Oh wow. Well, they they range, right? So it's funny because I have friends who who have kids who are going to college, but mm-hmm. then I have some friends here. They're uh, they have a little boy who's seven, and I have some friends back in New York. I think their daughter's the same age. Mm-hmm. They were telling me that. They use the the iPad. They save it for for long flights, and when they're flying cross country, right. they give their daughter the iPad. And apparently, she just sits in the seat, focused on that iPad, doesn't go to the bathroom, have to remind her to eat because she's like, "This is my iPad time, right. and you will not disrupt it." Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the for the flights, whether it's the iPad or just the. Uh, uh, in-flight entertainment system, man, they really, I mean, you, cause you can't stop them from doing it on a flight. Cause really what else are they going to do realistically? Right. But yeah. yeah, they just like become zombies and it's, it is pretty, <laughs> pretty it's scary. It's kind of creepy. Though. It is a bit, it is a bit creepy. It's, and you know, some of those, uh, really long flights, like when we flew, uh, overseas back to the States a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, they're just like bleary eyed and, you know, they're just totally zoned in. I mean, because it is like a, a binge for them. You know, they don't, we don't allow them to have that much screen time on in a normal, in normal life. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. What, it's interesting what becomes bartering chips, you know, mm-hmm. it changes every decade. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, cool. Thanks for, uh, Sharing, getting up on your Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Sorry, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. No worries. Boomer like clockwork at six fifteen came in and yelled at me to be fed. So mm-hmm. this time I didn't ignore him because of you. Okay. <laughs> well, hope, hope Boomer appreciates that. <laughs> so, how long have you been in Seattle? Uh, I'm approaching my eighth year in Seattle now. Wow. Okay. Um, 
longer than I thought we would last here. Mm -hmm. And where were you? <laughs> let's go back from that. Where were you before Seattle? Seattle, uh, you know, immediately before Seattle. Uh, immediately before Seattle, we were in Manhattan. We were in uh, Lower Manhattan in Stuyvesant Town, which are those big, the big housing. It almost looks like projects mm -hmm. because they're they're massive and very uniform looking. Mm -hmm. And we had been there for a couple of years in a very typical New York situation, an illegal sublet because okay. we were paying, you know, less than the normal rate of rent and mm -hmm. it was a good location and uh, nice size apartment for Manhattan standards. So mm -hmm. yeah, went from went from that to, to Seattle, which was definitely a bit of a culture shock. Um, I'm sure, yeah. Was, you know, when we moved here, it was interesting because, you know, the everything's so much cheaper or at right. least it was. So you'll hear people now talk about Seattle's gotten more expensive, and it's definitely true. Mm -hmm. But it's still not New York expensive, and right. certainly not San Francisco expensive. Mm -hmm. So when we moved out here, our first apartment, so a one-bedroom, and it was probably maybe half the price of what we were paying in Manhattan. But they did this thing where they um, – they gave, they were giving the first month's rent free. Mm -hmm. So when um, when Rachel, my wife, went to uh, sign the lease, she didn't even realize that. And they were like, "Oh, you know, you get your first month free." And she's like, "Geez, where 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 have I landed?" Uh -huh. like, no one no one would have even told us that if, if if it was available. You know, New York is like first month's last month's deposit, right. first born child, and then you're you know lucky if you get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. What a difference. You must have felt like you were on another planet. I did, and I, I always tell this story. We had just, um, I just, because I came here several months after her because she started a job, mm -hmm. um, and I kind of was closing up our New York apartment and saying my goodbyes, and she joked that, you know, a little concerned that maybe I wouldn't come, and I just <laughs> in New York. Uh -huh. But we get, I get here, and we go into um, the deli section and, and – um, in Whole Foods, and I'm standing online waiting to order a sandwich, and the person behind the counter is like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. It's a, an old movie, The Last Seduction, um, and it's it, it. There's a scene in that where the character is from New York, and she goes upstate, mm -hmm. and people start talking to her, and she just goes into her car and shuts the door and opens her newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm standing on this line in this. This person behind the counter is like, "Hey, how you doing?" And I'm just like looking around, like, "Oh, this person's talking to me." Right. Oh, yeah. I'm doing okay. Yeah. And like that's what they, they do here. People interact with you on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike New York, where you know you, when you're interacting, it's usually like, "Hey, look at that weirdo," you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> over there, as opposed to just like, "Hey, how's it going?" What happened to your New York accent? People say I have a New York accent. Uh, they they say it's, it's it's still there. It's especially there when when I get when I get mad. Okay. The, the, the Long Island in me comes out, but mm -hmm. um, I've been told that I I try to cover it up a bit. But if I'm not paying attention, it'll, it'll slip in on cer certain words. Certain, right. Certain things are hard for us to say mm -hmm. uh, back east. Uh, so you know the TV show. Law and order. Like I have to think about that, otherwise it's law and order. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> well, yeah, I was. Uh, well, gosh, I don't know when the last time we ever we saw each other in person was. I can't. Uh, don't know how many years it was ago. Forever. Yeah, because. <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I think let me just go to the first time we met because that's like the most vivid in my mind. Because uh, uh -huh. that would have been like 1980, is, is what I think. That was like my first trip to New York. Does that sound right to you? That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was my first trip to New York. I was 10. My brother was 8. And we drove cross-country uh, to see the family up there. And, uh, of course, it was a huge culture shock for me, too. I mean, I was looking forward to it. But, yeah, I had no idea what it was really going to be like. And... Uh, uh, everything there just blew me away, and um, I remember when we got to your house, uh, I still picture the uh, poster of Adam Ant on your wall, and like that was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then you like came out, and you were like all punk and everything, and you were going to your job at like a a, a radio station, right? 
to do like a no, oh, no I wish I was going to a job at a radio station I was I, I worked in retail when I was uh, uh, at that point <laughs> mm. well anyhow I just thought you were the coolest thing ever and um, oh. just uh, well I was <laughs> yeah you, well you still are yeah so yeah that was and then other than that I know we took another trip to New York as a family probably two or four years later something like that um, and that did you ever come visit in Texas I can't remember I never did, you know. Yeah. I, I not when you were there. I mm-hmm. didn't get to Texas until, geez, um, my sister Judy and I went out there. Probably, oh gosh, it was probably about nine, nine, ten years ago mm-hmm. that we went to see mom. Yeah. Um, and then I went with Rachel probably about five, four or five years ago. Then okay. we went out to to. Austin, both times in Austin, and then you know your mom and dad showed us around Hill Country. Oh and right, right. We just yeah. got a taste of Texas. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've only been out there a couple of times. Okay, so gosh, we've probably only really seen each other in person a few times, but of course the family ties are there. Um, yep. Now, can I can I just um, go over the family ties a bit? Get that out of the way. Absolutely. Because there's, it definitely, and you know, our family loves the age differences because I mean, it's definitely kind of wacky, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're we are like first cousins once removed, I think is yeah. what technically. So, because your father was my grandfather's brother, my right. my great uncle, and then um, you know, I used to know like all this so well. I but it's good to remind myself and ourselves. Uh, so. Your brother, your father was John. Is Johnny right? Or no, my father is Michael. Michael. So Mickey, your uncle Mickey is your father. Uncle Mickey, as he was, yeah, he was as, called. as he was called to me, yes. And then, yeah. um, and there were the three brothers, right? It was um, Anthony, Michael, and John. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And John being the youngest. Yeah, yeah. John's the youngest, and then my grandfather was the oldest. Right. And yet. Yes, so you're my mother's first cousin, but you're a generation younger than her. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I'm closer in age to you yeah. and Teresa. Right. You're Teresa, than I am to your mom. Right. Who is actually older than my oldest sister. <laughs> right, and your oldest sister is? So I have two older sisters, um, Michelle, who's the oldest, mm-hmm. and we're 13 years apart. Yeah. And my sister, Judy, um, who we're nine years apart. Right. And Judy, for some reason, I think I've seen her more. I, um, I guess she and my mom are pretty close in age and uh, have visited each other. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then how? who are your Makuchi cousins? So my Makuchi cousins are uh, John and Ray, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who are your also your mom's cousins. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously your mom is... Uh, Although you know technically Makuchi, but you know, and um, your 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 aunt Teresa. So those mm-hmm. are my those are my Makuchi cousins that okay. that I that I've known. Okay, all right, yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much what I thought. I guess I haven't gotten that out of touch of things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. I mean, we don't have a huge family, so it's not that difficult mm-hmm. to keep the you know lineage straight in your head. Yeah, it's just after as the. T- time goes by and the years go by sometimes it gets a little fuzzy and then of course you know uh my grandparents have haven't been around for a long time now like i think they both passed away like late 80s early 90s so yeah 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 your your grandpa actually so my dad passed away um quite a while ago Mm -hmm. because um i was 17 when he passed away but then my mom is still alive and kicking mm-hmm. uh, you know at 91 so it's 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 interesting all the makuchis except for except for uh john are yeah. are the brothers all kind of passed fairly mm-hmm. pretty fairly young i would say yeah I mean, pretty not like young really young but young yeah i think i mean because uh my grandfather was younger than my grandmother and he also passed away first i think right so uh yeah he was like only i think in his mid-60s which yeah my dad was only um 57 so they wow. but yeah the makuchis the makuchis uh they like to drink and they like to smoke so they yeah. uh definitely li- like to live life they bu- they burned out fast <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean my your your grandfather and my father were pretty close because they used to they used to talk all the time i think mm-hmm. they you know would 
get on the phone with um, scotch in one hand and they mm-hmm. would just chat with each other quite a quite a bit and I, I know your grandfather was not the easiest guy to get along with but my dad seemed to uh, know how to keep him keep him calm and I think I think when my dad passed I think that that didn't help the situation with your grandfather yeah no I'm sure it didn't um, yeah I would guess a, a brother might be the only person who could keep him in check <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think he would just call him out on on his shit. So uh, yeah, in a way we couldn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I know your mom has really fond memories of of my dad. She always talks about Uncle Mickey, uh, and my dad was always a really sweet sweetheart of a man. It's, it's interesting how people could grow up in the same house. You know, two people mm-hmm. could grow up in the same house and just end up being two adjust to their situations in different different ways Mm -hmm. because i i think my grandfather your great grandfather wasn't the easiest guy so i think uh they had their challenges Mm -hmm. yeah i know and i'm glad i got to meet your father too and he was so nice and uh artistic i remember him like drawing some cartoons and stuff for us when we were there with him and uh it was just really cool yeah, he always um, he loved to sing and he loved music and he would always listen to big band music. So I always have a, a fond place in my heart when people play, you know, Glenn Miller mm-hmm. or Count Basie or one of those, you know, uh, 40s swing type of music. And he used to love to sing and we would sing together and he, he you know, liked to draw and he also liked to cook too but on on his own terms you know oh, yeah. push my mother out of the kitchen and decide this is what I'm cooking uh-huh. <laughs> now, was he the one that had the music room with all the CDs or is that uh, Johnny I, no I think that's John okay. I think that's John the youngest yeah. um, but they all they all um, you know I don't know about about uh, Tony Uncle Tony but I know that my father and and, and Uncle John definitely they they love their music but yeah, yeah John Uncle John has a music room I mean he might still have a music room who knows <laughs> yeah I would think so I mean that was another thing that when I was a kid and we walked into his room and it was like he had it wall to wall shelves filled with CDs of like every kind of music and he had had it all set up and uh, it was great you know uh, another kind of thing that sort of uh, New York kind of basement sort of room, you know. <laughs> like, oh yeah, uh, they, every- they all had yeah those finished basements. You know, my dad that was his lair. So mm-hmm. he'd go down there. You know, he had his uh, had his bar set up, and he would watch. You know, he would watch his TV. He he was a big lover of sports, and as you know, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan, a huge New mm-hmm. York Yankee fan because of him, because he would have that on and. He would explain the game to me, and you know, being the youngest of, of three girls, there weren't, weren't going to be any boys to talk baseball with. So that's right. where I always where I talk about my love of the game. It comes from him because that was he got a lot of joy from from watching sports, especially baseball. Yeah, so uh, that's that's how you became such a baseball fan. Um, were those games down in the basement in the lair? Yeah, the, watching the games with him, or he would, it, or I, I remember specifically that when the Yankees were in the playoffs, it was playoffs in, I don't know, it was 77 or 78, whichever one of those years that they won the World Series, and he was watching it downstairs, and, you know, it was late later, as those games always tend to be, and I was, I was up in, in my room watching it on my little black and white TV that I had, because it was, you know, my bedtime, and yeah. uh, he was so, he, I remember him being so wound up. He, he came upstairs, he's sitting on the bed with me, and he's, he's the opposing pitchers up, and he's giving them, like, the, the, the old, like, the, the Italian salute, like the... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just remember being like, oh, my God, this, he is so into it right now. But I, I'm the same way. I mean, people can't, I get, I, I mutter to myself during, during uh, big games and I'm not, you don't want to watch a game with me unless you're a diehard fan. I'll walk around muttering and cursing and be like, what the fuck is he doing? Oh, come on. You know, why did he swing at that? I've I've not thrown anything. I've heard about a lot of sports fans who Mm -hmm. will throw uh, the remote or kick the TV. I'm not quite so aggro, but I definitely, I definitely have that, that, that tension going on when I, when I watch a big game and, yeah, I, and it's and it's really only for the Yankees. I I, I mean okay. I, can, I watch sports, but the Yankees are the ones that that for that they resonate with me. They're they're my team. So if they're not doing well, and I'm watching them, I'm 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 not a fun person to be around. <laughs> right. So you're really your love of baseball really surrounds them as a team 
yeah. m- more than as the whole sport of baseball? Um, no, I, I, I enjoy the, the, the sport in general for mm-hmm. the same reasons I think a lot of people who like baseball, it's just a, it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a, an incredibly fast moving sport and it just has this representation of summertime and sitting mm-hmm. in the sun and just not having to, you know, it's not, it's not time. So it's not having yeah. to be anywhere and just, just kind of just enjoying it. And I think, you know, the memories of my dad, uh, make a di- make a difference to in 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 the fact that I, I've connected with it so much and mm-hmm. even um my sister Judy who's not a huge sports fan she's she's always she always keeps an eye out on the Yankees because yeah. you know that because of that connection thanks to my dad because they grew up they grew up in the Bronx um mm-hmm. so they they grew up probably watching some of those le- legendary players like DiMaggio and Mantle but I think right. they moved around you know I know my mom mostly grew up in the Bronx but I feel like the Makuchi brothers, they were in a, a number of spots in, in New York. I think they, they weren't just in the Bronx, I think. They might have been on the Lower East Side at certain points and Queens yeah. at certain points. I, I don't think they were so much in one particular spot, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And then did I hear you, you've done like radio commentary or something uh, on about baseball? I have. It, it's, it's really funny how that came about. I did baseball writing for a number of years. I wrote about the Yankees for pretty much a fan site uh, called Through the Fence Baseball, which no longer is in existence. And because of their connection to a radio station in, of all places, New Mexico, they uh-huh. would have some of the writers, some of the more prolific writers, mm-hmm. go on and talk about the different teams. And... Uh, I went on a couple of times to speak with uh, Steve Bortstein, and I think he's still still on the radio station out there in that little station in New Mexico and talk about baseball, which is funny because New Mexico has no no baseball team, professional. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, not a professional team. I know they have like the I think it's the Isotopes. They definitely have some double A or something. Yeah, they definitely have some yeah some uh, minor league baseball. But yeah, so here I am, and you know my voice broadcasting somewhere in a weird section of New Mexico talking about the New York Yankees. What are you doing now? So it's interesting. When we moved out here, so prior to us moving out here, I always worked um, in trade magazines. I was always an editor and a writer, and I, yeah. I still write and I still edit. Um, but when we moved out here there's uh, to Seattle, not really a big publishing uh, hub the way New York is. Right. The industry in general publishing is going through a lot of different a lot of changes because obviously the interwebs have made things different so when we moved out here I actually went back to school decided I would get a certificate in uh, technical writing because there's this is a tech town there's a lot of you Mm -hmm. know they've got Amazon and Microsoft and of course yeah figured I'd take this tech writing class at UW and mainly I did it to, to meet people, which I did, because mm-hmm. we didn't really know anyone uh, out here. We made some good friends through a friend of a friend, but at that time, I mean, didn't I didn't have a job and didn't have many friends, so I went to this tech writing class and started doing tech writing, which I absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> not my jam. Ended up doing writing help for mobile phones for T-Mobile, which is funny because I, the joke is that I never, I never read the instructions, uh-huh. and yet here I was reading instructions. Okay, so that was kind of, that was kind of ironic. You were writing like the FAQs or something like that, or like troubleshooting type stuff. Actually, the instructions, the instructions on how to use your phone really? and do different things on your phone. Wow! So the help. Yeah, so we would get the the devices as they're called, and we would go through all the different all the different things that you can do on them, mm-hmm. and then write them up. Oh my god. And yeah, and they would be posted. They would be posted online. The instructions were mostly online. Yeah, it was kind of tedious work, but I made some good friends mm-hmm. through uh, my time. Actually, at T-Mobile, I uh, made made friends with uh, um, uh, this girl April, who we're still friends. And the ironic thing about that is, I ended up acting as the officiant at her wedding when she got married oh, yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> and so, so that was that was kind of neat. That came out of nowhere. We were just out one day and. She was talking about her wedding plans, and she hadn't had an officiant, and they were trying to figure out who they who they would get to do that. Her and her fiance. Mm-hmm. I said, kind of half joking around, "I'll do it," mm-hmm. and she was 
said, will you? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I went on to the Universal Life Church. You did that? And, you signed uh, up for that? Yeah, All I right. got myself ordained. And nice. now I'm going to do my, my second wedding in the fall. I'm marrying uh, my niece, Brittany, is getting married. I'm going to officiate at her wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, how how did the first one go? How did you prepare yourself for that? I, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, they, well, I should say they, April is a huge Dr. Seuss fan. Mm-hmm. And I decided I would tie, you know, I would do the tie in the, the whole Seussian type language into the ceremony. Oh, nice. And I actually had a big, uh, I big, big uh, which I forget about, green eggs and ham. Uh-huh. I had the green eggs and ham Dr. Seuss book. And I used that as opposed to having a Bible. Oh, nice. And <laughs> and it went really well, and I actually really enjoyed it. I, after I did, I officiated the ceremony. I said, "Hey, who can I marry next?" Yeah. And and it took I don't know three, four, five years, and now I'm going to do another wedding. Wow! But, but I went off on a tangent there. You asked me about what I do now, and I, I basically got into marketing. So that was where that was kind of in my second career mm-hmm. since I've come here because of the natural transition with writing and content marketing is very big right now. Oh yeah. So I ended up doing so my prior job. I was actually doing luxury travel writing. Okay. Yeah. Um, writing for a, a, a very, very expensive private jet company that went on these ridiculously long 25 day trips that were more than most people make in a year. Right. And I went from that. You were writing. You were doing, is that what you were doing in, in New York, writing for that travel um, magazine? What, or was in that? New York, I was, actually, I was actually the executive editor of a eyewear trade magazine. Okay, that's right. I remember you sharing a lot of eyewear stuff, optical yep. writing. Uh, and I still, okay. do, I still do a fair amount of that writing mm-hmm. on the side because now I, um, I manage a, a team of marketers and mm-hmm. so I do a lot more managing right. and writing. Yeah. And while I, I love the people I work with, yeah. they're a great group. I don't get to do anything quite as creative as I used to. And I, I miss that because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Uh, I think that's a, a Makuchi thing. I think we all have a really, uh, we all have some type of creative side yeah. that we, we, we managed to tap into. Uh, so tell me more about the, the private jet when you're riding. So would you get to go on these trips or <laughs> did you just have to make it up <laughs> from the office? Uh, most, of the, most of the time we had to make it up. Yeah. Uh, but Everybody usually gets to go on a, a, a at least a portion of the trip. Mm-hmm. They would call them partials because they're twenty five day trips. Right. So most people wouldn't go on the entire trip unless they had a specific function. But they would let people within the company all get a chance to go on at least a portion of these trips. Mm-hmm. So I did get to go on one trip, and uh, my portion of the trip was uh, started in uh, Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, then there we went to St. Petersburg, Russia, uh-huh. and from there we went to Marrakesh, Morocco. So it was uh, it was a fun trip, and it was all they stay in really fancy hotels. So sure. for the first time in my life, I got to stay actually stay in a Four Seasons hotel. Right, and that was that was pretty cool. Except you know, if you're working and you're in your hotel room and you're in a high touch hotel, yeah, they clean your room an awful lot. Yeah. They really they yeah. like knock on the door. Right, to turn down the bed and bring yeah. in the fruit and the flowers and crap exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I remember I was trying to do some work and just I, it felt like every every 15 minutes someone was coming in the room. And one of the experience, they call them expedition leaders. He's like, uh, I always just keep the do not disturb sign on. Yeah. Like, otherwise you won't get anything done. But I'm like, well, that's, I guess, a nice problem to have, you know, talking about first exactly. world problems. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've had a chance to stay in some nice hotels as on work trips too and um there's also that feeling where you're just like it's almost worse in a way because you're like if you're so busy with work and you're in this nice hotel that you can't enjoy it at all and you're like exactly. man, if I could just be down at the pool right now, this would be fantastic, but <laughs> you know, you've got some deadline or something you've got to do and it's kind of exactly. a bit torturous in a way. It is. I mean, with these trips, um, you were other. Uh, you were basically on other people's vacations, so <laughs> yeah. you were making sure right. that they were having a good time. Right. And you try not to like jump in front of them when you want to take a picture of something. Like, oh yeah, 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 they're the ones on vacation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I only did that for a little, a uh, little under two years, mm-hmm. and then I, I'm now doing something completely 
different. I'm working for a company that's probably like the polar opposite of luxury travel. I work for um, uh, basically a, a Medicaid plan in Washington State. So that's the healthcare for low-income folks, and okay. it's called Apple Health in Washington State. So it's for people who wouldn't normally be able to have health insurance. Mm-hmm. So I went from basically what I like to say, you know, working for a bunch of rich, rich fucks uh-huh. to uh, to helping people who are really do need really do need the service that we pro- provide. Because you know, as a marketing as a joke, you're, the whole point is you're trying to get people to buy something they don't actually need. Yeah. But now I'm actually pushing something that people do need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. So. So you're actually you're, you're marketing to the people that uh, to make sure they're aware that this program's out there and that kind of stuff to get the yeah, right exactly. people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I learned a lot about Medicaid because mm. I didn't really know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, someone has to provide Medicaid to the people who need it. So the the different healthcare providers they get money from from the state for Medicaid. Yeah, and then you provide the the healthcare services to the members who who pick you so they basically have a choice of of uh plans so those like you'll have united mm-hmm. and and you'll have melina or some of the other companies and they pick that plan and th- that's how they get their medicaid but most of the time they don't know who the plan is because the state program is called apple health so they just know they have apple health so it, yeah. it's kind of an interesting space to try to market to plus it's it's regulated by the the local government, mm-hmm. so you've got to deal with some some of those guidelines that, you know, are sometimes a little silly. But right, what can? Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can. It, it's it's nice in that you're helping people who really need a service get it, and it also opened my eyes to a lot of. The misconceptions people have about uh, recipients of Medicaid, mm-hmm. as in most of them work, yeah. and most of them work several jobs, and they work these horrible, low-paying jobs that, you know, even getting them to be able to take time to see a doctor is, it, they could lose their their job. So it's it's a challenging group of people because yeah. you want to keep them healthy, but you want to make sure they're okay, and they definitely do a lot of a lot of jobs that. Many people would not. Um, so it's it's been eye opening in uh, just having delved into that because I certainly wasn't didn't know much about it. Yeah. In fact, I mean, it was hard enough for me to keep straight the difference between Medicaid and Medicare. Right. So, <laughs> so you're talking about this is statewide. So this is anybody who lives in Washington yeah. State who is mm-hmm. of a certain income level, and they are eligible for Medicaid. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how that's how it works. You have to be on a, at a certain income level, which I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know it is very low. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, then it goes it goes from there. If you're single, if you're a couple, if you have kids, mm-hmm. and uh, it's based on that. And they they don't they don't quote unquote pay for the service. It's paid by by the by the state. Right. But and then you know these are these, and yeah. you say most of the people on it are working. There, yeah, and um, working most. So jobs. most of the people on Medicaid are are they do work. They work low paying jobs. Uh, you have also have a lot of people with disabilities, mm-hmm. that special needs, and it's called SNP. Okay, um, so it's people who can't who can't work because of, of disabilities, mm-hmm. or who have um, or just people who have who have kids. You know, a lot of kids uh, get their uh, their their healthcare through, uh, it's called CHIP. There was a yeah. lot of, that was in the news a lot. Right, about, because it was getting yanked, right. Yeah, because, you know, we should take away healthcare from children. Right. Of course, why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> so what? What's, so, yeah. what's your opinion on yeah. uh, Obamacare? Can you enlighten me on that? Because uh, on the uh, on the on the ACA, yeah, the ACA exactly. <laughs> I think it's a big problem. People, uh, it was really interesting to see how people did not understand that the ACA and Obamacare were the same thing. Right. You saw a couple of examples of that in the news, where some supporters of a certain U.S. president yeah. were, well, I don't have to worry about Obamacare. They should take it away. I have, uh, I have AC, I have the ACA. Yeah. Like, well, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was one. Uh, that was a big bungle on the 
part of the Obama administration is they should have they should have owned the name more and just branded it heavier, you know, and like promoted themselves more as far as that that's what that's yeah. what people were getting. Because, yeah, there's and then I heard other stories of like um, that the ACA is branded different things in different states as well. So the you know the program i think it's like kentucky or something that had a pretty good program or and people really liked it but they didn't they didn't know it was the what was called obamacare they had no idea yeah i i agree with you i think that that i mean as much as i i really liked obama and wish he was still president mm-hmm. um i think they really botched that opportunity to 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 let people know what the aca did and that obamacare and the aca were actually the same thing mm-hmm. and but I, I, what what the ACA did was, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that it expanded Medicaid. Uh, what I didn't realize was that in the state of Washington, and I'm sure in a lot of other states, that Medicaid was basically only available for, for women and kids, you know, moms and, and kids. Okay. And then with the ACA, it, it actually got, um, men could get Medicaid, which is just a ridiculous thing to think of that why would you would only allow a certain mm-hmm. portion of the population to get health care. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but now it's just basically being slowly dismantled. Uh, it needed to be improved upon because I think the, the initial rollout of the ACA, there was a, a lot of compromising going on because yeah. Republicans didn't want it at all. Right. So I think when people talk about, well, what, it wasn't working that well, I'm like, well, you can really thank your, the Republicans in Congress for that because they, they were the ones who, didn't didn't want to give in on on certain aspects of mm-hmm. it. So, but it's helped a lot of people who wouldn't normally have healthcare have healthcare yeah. through through the exchange, which is different, of course, than the Medicaid. Medicaid's for low income folks, where the exchange is basically for people who need insurance. And now it's just become so so expensive again uh-huh. um, that I think uh, a lot of people who are either independent contractors or freelancers they it's it's cost prohibitive now. They can't they can't afford to get healthcare through the exchange and it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So what do you see happening? Um, what's your prediction on, cause it's <laughs> obviously it's unsustainable right now and you've got the Republicans who would rather just like do away with it completely. Well, they tried, they've, they did their best and, and they, they haven't totally got, uh, gotten rid of it, but, uh, it, no. it can't limp along like this forever. So what's your prediction? You know, I I don't know what what's going to happen. I know that the people in a lot of these states, even the ones who voted for people who were going to take away their health care, mm-hmm. they they want to keep uh, they want to keep their health care. Yeah. I I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on what happens in the November elections. If who who's who's controlling the Congress, right. because I think that'll force the issue. But I think that could just force a stalemate. I, I really, honestly, I, I, I have no idea what, what's going to happen. But I know that they, from a Medicaid standpoint, I think what they'll, what they, what they'll do and what they're trying to do is just cut, cut the funding. Mm-hmm. But progressive states, like the one I live in, Washington State, they've always had, they've always put aside money for Medicaid and taking care of their, their, their residents. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's the people in places like. Oklahoma and mm. in the deep south where the Republicans have a stronghold that, mm-hmm. that really suffer the most. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think there could be some cuts coming down the road if things don't change with the political climate, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's, it's going to get interesting. Yeah. We'll see. But Yeah, we, we will. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you think that uh, at least your state will, will be in a better position because of the, the state has puts more support into it on a state level. Yeah, it def- I, I, I think that yes, we'll, we'll definitely in better shape. Mm-hmm. They'll be in better shape. Than Are you still going to have a job, Jackie? That's what I'm worried about. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but you know, I, I'm, I'm in marketing. Yeah. I, can, I can sell you anything. I can sell you anything. Right. So I'm, I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not worried either. Not for you. Anyhow. <laughs> But I mean, I'd like to have a job only because I'd like people to get their their health care. I mean, I can always I can always work somewhere mm-hmm. else. But I would really you can, when you start meeting these people and you just see how how hard they work and how they they're just 
a nice group of people. Most of them, you you know, you you I feel bad from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always go back to working for the rich fucks if you have to, but. Exactly. The rich fucks are always going to be there and they're always going to want things that they don't necessarily need. Yeah. So I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it like there in this, in the stereotypical, super liberal Seattle? Are there any like uh, funny things that you see that are just like uh, um, that fit the stereotype? But it's definitely, you know, the West Coast is definitely a different animal than the East Coast. Um, and a mm-hmm. lot of times I feel like I'm a little out of context because I'm kind of, you know, I'm the typical snarky New Yorker. Um, mm-hmm. not, I'm not touchy-feely. I'm not into the self-help shit. And I didn't realize that, mm-hmm. you know, I think we have that stereotype with California. But in mm-hmm. general, the West Coast definitely has a little bit of that self-helpy touchy feely i grew i i have chickens in my my yard kind of thing um, mm-hmm. but i think one of the things that uh struck me when we moved to seattle is this weird love of in so they have all these different parades right they have a solstice parade uh come come springtime and you know they'll have uh i, I think the pride parade too i've seen a lot of naked bicycle riding that they do here and i okay. feel like those two things do not go hand in hand yet they seem to love it for the solstice parade that they have here in uh in seattle in the fremont section of seattle uh, it's known for they have a whole group of people who they naked bicycle riding and they wear body paint so so they're not necessarily uh-huh. you know they're they're somewhat covered and then there's the other phenomenon mm-hmm. of what I think can only be called a penis cozy uh, <laughs> that some of these these guys wear. Knitted? Like hand-knitted or artisanal yeah, penis I, cozies? Yeah, I think they are hand-knitted. I'm sure there's someone somewhere <laughs> knitting little penis cozies for these for these parades. But yeah, I've seen a, a, a fair amount of naked bicycle riding. And honestly, once you see that, you really cannot see it and think about yeah. things like... I, I can see why you're standing up and not sitting on the seat. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, that was the first thing that came to my mind is like you would need some kind of special bicycle seat to yeah. make that, you know. And most of the time they're standing up, but it's still, yeah. it's, yeah, there's there's definitely a love of that. So, and, mm-hmm. and people are, people are definitely, in Seattle, people are very, uh, definitely a lot more involved, um, you know, worried about uh things being organic and you know, mm-hmm. people have chickens. I mean, Seattle is, is essentially a city, although it feels to me a bit more suburban than how I normally would think of a city. So you'll, you'll get people mm-hmm. who they have chickens in their backyard. So people yeah. actually have chickens in the city, which is like mm-hmm. walk past a house and there'll be chickens in the front yard. You're like, okay, nice. I see how that goes. I mean, it's not at the Portland level. Portland's definitely, uh-huh its own animals. So I always like to say Portlandia is barely parody. Barely. Right. Uh, yeah. Seattle's a little bit more like the older brother to mm-hmm. Portland. You know, we have a lot of industry here. So this is where people come to get jobs where Portland is, you know, the joke is that's where young people go to retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I love Portlandia. That's uh, that show is hilarious, and I can picture all those people like being pretty real. Oh, they yes, they, they definitely are. There, there, mm-hmm. there are some of them. You're just like, well, that's yeah. I know that person. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, uh, coffee? Are you a coffee snob now? I am actually. That was the. I think that was the first thing I, I adopted, and uh, mm-hmm. is is becoming a coffee snob. So whenever I go back to New York, and I always go back at Christmas time to see my mom and family. And mm-hmm. uh, usually I'll either bring or send coffee to her. And mm-hmm. my my sisters, especially my sister Judy, they'll, they'll know and they'll go over my mom's. They're like, you know, put the folders away. I know Jackie gave you coffee. Please, please make this coffee. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I will say you. it's hard to get a bad cup of coffee in Seattle. I mean, you could go into a bar and nine times mm-hmm. out of ten, you're going to get a really good cup of coffee. And um Definitely, New York has many things, but our coffee was definitely lacking in New York. I mean, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts is nice, but uh, here, I mean, you just there, you just have your you have your pick, and 
half the time mm-hmm. you, you feel like you need a guide to understand like pour over and French press. Yeah. And what are we doing now? Mm-hmm. Something else is going on or they have coffee on tap mm-hmm. now, like cold brew. Uh, yes, right. Well, I mean, I think that's a plus that if any city where you can get good coffee everywhere, that's a plus in my book. For sure. That's but, definitely uh, its favorite. But yeah. Well, tell me more about New York because um, I'm always fascinated by it. Were you born in Manhattan or were you born in Long Island? I, I was, um, I'm a Long Island girl. I was born on Long Island, um, <clears throat> born on Long Island, raised on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and Long Island's in, in Long Island itself is an interesting place. So it's so close to Manhattan, mm-hmm. but it man, many times can be worlds away and you'll get people who barely go into the city, even though it's like a 20 to 40 minute train ride for them. Right. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of people who talk like this, and they're very much into you know you getting getting their hair hair and nails done, mm-hmm. and they're very much into you know it, it's a totally different aesthetic than Seattle. So mm-hmm. Long Island is is always always overdone, <laughs> always you know more makeup, and definitely about the designer labels. And then coming to Seattle, people, I mean, I see it. I think it kind of blows me away because. Uh, I see young people. Young people don't wear don't wear makeup, or they don't don't wear makeup. You know, at, at work, I'll, there's a fair amount of younger folks who they they, they don't wear makeup mm-hmm. at work. And just to me, I'm like, geez, for me, not wearing makeup is just where you know it's when I just have my base makeup on and some lipstick, <laughs> and then that's me, no makeup. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, and when I grew up on Long Island, it was a, definitely. A, it's changed over the years. It's really overdeveloped now, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to get around a small space driving on Long Island. People are very aggro, too, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're going to cut me off? I'm going to cut you mm-hmm. off. <laughs> you know, I'm not stopping up the stop sign. You're going to stop at the stop <laughs> yeah. sign. Seattle, like, people don't know how to merge here. Yeah. So they, they actually come to a full stop, and you're like, I need to get over, and if you stop, I can't get over because you're blocking Right, yeah, me. right. You know, they're polite to a fault where it's like this isn't working mm-hmm. uh, we're in Long Island it's kind of like you know it's kind of like you know death car 2000 mm-hmm. kind of you know but um but and, and then when I was an adult I always worked in Manhattan and I've lived in Manhattan <coughs> excuse me um and Manhattan is just you know it's 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 filled with people and it's it's filled with energy and there's always something to do yeah. and you may not be able to afford to do it but um you can always find something mm-hmm. one of the things i really enjoyed um when when i worked in manhattan because you know i was wasn't i didn't work for a vogue i always worked for industry trade publications mm-hmm. but they always had a fashion a fashion tilt to them yeah. so i i got to do a lot of cool things i got to interview a lot of the designers, um, mm-hmm. and I got to go to the fashion shows, right. and we used to love going to the fashion shows. And we would get the invites, uh, and the editors would kind of we had a battle to yeah. see who was going to go. Right. Uh, and, and like a lot of times, if you're not if you're not like a the upper echelon, and it's changed a lot actually since I first started going, because now like they show them on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it's become like everything else. It's become a thing that's publicized, but. Back when they first were trying to get all the shows together, they called it 7th on 6th. They had them all in Bryant Park, and it was called 7th on 6th, and we would get these invites. And it, a lot of times we wouldn't be assigned a seat. So if you weren't assigned a seat, you had a stand mm-hmm. and you had a wait. So you were basically at the mercy of some bitch with a clipboard and a headset. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> and so letting the people in who had assigned seats, and you would just kind of stand there and you would stare them down. <laughs> and I remember I was there with uh, one time with my my friend Sue, and she was a huge, um, she was a huge Mark Jacobs fan, mm-hmm. and we had tickets to his show, but we didn't have seat assignments. So she's standing there, and this guy is just letting people in, and some of them had seat assignments, and some of them just knew him. And she just, after a while, she just stops him, and she says, "If you let one more person in without a seat assignment, can it just be us?" <laughs> you know, and it worked. Yeah, and he let and he let us in, and you know, we we were able to see the show. But it's just, it's just, it's such a scene, mm-hmm. and I think the. The one thing I really, I do miss about Manhattan is that there, there's a lot of about it's, everything's a game, so it's okay. all about winning. Mm-hmm. It's all about you know, how to get in, and and am I the first to see this? Mm-hmm. And I kind of, 
I, I miss that a little bit mm-hmm. because it's definitely a different scene out here. So the first time we ever went to the movies here, mm-hmm. you know, it was an opening weekend for some film. And if you're going to the movies in, in New York City, mm-hmm. especially opening weekend, well, you better get there like an hour early yeah. or you're not getting so we show up for this movie and we're literally like an hour early and the guy at the door is like, like what, the, what, are you, what the hell are you people doing? What the, the theater's not open yet. We're like, well, we just wanted to make sure we got seats. Like, you'll, you'll get a seat. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So I don't have to be constantly on, on, on a high alert to make sure that I, I get my spot. Right. Not quite as so, competitive. Definitely not. But it comes in handy though when when competitive things do happen. Sure. Yeah. You've, you know, then then that's where I, I excel here. That's where you know. <laughs> yeah. You're like uh, the baseball players. You're taking the the batting weights off or whatever. Exactly. Like, okay. I'm re- I'm ready for it. Yeah. You need to be somewhere first. Here's what you do. Mm-hmm. You need to get tickets. But here's what you do. I miss a little bit of that 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 feeling of winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a little bit of that recently when we, a uh, friend and I were trying to get Hamilton tickets because, you know, Hamilton is everywhere right. and it's touring and it's touring in Seattle. And of course, you know, getting the tickets here were just as hard as getting them in New York. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to see Hamilton in a couple of weeks because my friend, Amy and, my friend Amy and I divided and conquered and were able to get the oh, tickets. How'd you do so, it? So, so that was a winning, that was a winning uh, moment for me. How did, how'd you get the tickets? So we basically, so it's so ridiculous. They give you this code mm-hmm. now. You have to sign up for a code, and then you have to you have to go onto your computer at a certain time and put in the code to get tickets. Okay. So of course, everybody and their mother signs up and gets the code, uh-huh. and everybody and their mother is is online at the same time trying to get the tickets. So we both decided we would do it at the same time, and I said, okay, I'll follow the protocol, mm-hmm. and. You know, it says it comes up and put in the code and it comes up that, you know, they're waiting. It's like it's, you know, it's doing that thing. We're OK. We're looking. We're looking. But it's like that now for for several minutes and it's telling you not to refresh. And my friend Amy's doing the same thing. And she's like, I'm just going to refresh uh-huh. it. And I'm like, go for yeah. it. You refresh it and I'll, I'll play by the rules yeah. here. And she refreshed it and it went through and she calls me up and she, you know, it's like, hey, I, I have the tickets, this section, this amount of money. I'm like, just do it. Yep. You know, put the phone down. And, and as a result, we, we got overpriced tickets to Hamilton. Would your parents bring you to shows? Yeah, I mean, we went. We would go every now and then. I, I actually remember the first Broadway show I saw, uh, I saw with my parents. I think somebody got the tickets. They had extra tickets, or they couldn't go with them. So as luck would have it, uh, we kids got to go. So uh, we saw Dracula, which had a very young Frank Langella in it. And uh, remember really liking it quite a bit. So that was the first kind of a weird, wow. right? It wasn't Annie or <laughs> you know, no. My first Broadway show was Dracula. Was it a musical? No, I it was a it was a straight up drama. So maybe that's where and I got it from. Frank Langella as Dra- Dracula. He played Dracula. It wasn't um, it wasn't the traditional Dracula. But thanks, Jackie. I, I appreciate it. No problem. This was fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for thinking of me. All right, well, have a fun Saturday. Thanks. You enjoy your your Sunday. Thank you very much. You take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license.